we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. Everybody and welcome to another exciting episode of Gratuitous Sex and Violence, the show where we inhale all the best things about movies, which is lots of death and lots of sex. <sighs> oh, wow. That, uh, that hit really smooth, Orlando. That was a big rip. That, that definitely hit my ears in the most uh, in the most soothing of ways. <laughs> and it didn't even make me cough. <coughs> Uh-oh, spoke too soon. Rookie. Rookie numbers right there. All right, well, uh, if you couldn't tell from the theme... <laughs> Welcome <laughs> tonight. Oh, that's, we're, that's what that's called. Huh? The a theme, theme welcome. A theme welcome. Um, tonight we're watching Reefer Madness, the movie musical, a 2005 American made-for-TV musical comedy film. It was directed by Andy Fickman, written by Kevin Murphy and Dan Studney. It's produced by all three, and it's based on the trio's musical, which Andy Fickman actually uh, directed on stage, and uh, Kevin Murphy and, and Dan Studney did the music and lyrics for. Uh, and itself, this this musical is itself based on the 1936 exploitation film, also with the same title. It's a very infamous movie, all extolling the dangers of smoking reefer or cannabis or yeah marijuana. yeah that's the thing it's it's basically a it's an exploitation film but it's also like clearly just like bold-faced propaganda right I think, right like it was yeah. definitely just like put out by the government or, yeah. or, or, or I, I forget who's it's not the government but, not the government but, but yeah it's a it's like a cautionary yeah. tale meant yeah. to dissuade you from smoking pot yeah um, this movie adaptation of the musical premiered on Showtime on April 16th, 2005, and it has an all-star ensemble cast. It stars Kristen Bell, Christian Campbell, John Kassir, who are actually reprising their stage roles, and uh, notable additions to the cast include Alan Cumming, Anna Gasteyer, uh, Robert Torty, uh, Nev Campbell, who is, of course... Christian Campbell's younger sister and also more famous sister, I think. We, we know her from a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited to watch this movie. I first discovered this movie in college. It's a lot of fun. Um, it, it works even if you haven't seen the 1936 movie, although it, with that context, it works brilliantly well because there's a lot of scenes and dialogue that are recreated word for word in this movie. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm excited for this one because while I haven't, um, I haven't seen this film of the musical, mm -hmm. um, but I did see the original film mm -hmm. uh, uh, during college. Mm -hmm. and uh, very popular in college. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> well, and, and I knew even during school that the musical existed as well. Um, but uh, never got around to seeing mm -hmm. it uh, when it was up. So. And also, you know, it kind of <laughs> fits in our whole uh, vibe here because uh, it, it, the musical itself is kind of schlocky. There's a there's quite a bit of like you know raciness and blood in it. So I'm really excited to dissect all of that and how it works in the context of the movie. 
And also, this happens to be not only our first foray into musicals for the podcast, but officially our first foray into comedy for the podcast. Yeah. So we're killing two birds with one stone today. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> with one uh, stone, was that you said? Stone. Mm-hmm. And we're both theater people, so, you know, we, we yeah. both dig musicals. Yeah. So it'll be fun to talk about this on that level as well. Agreed. Are you ready to take a big hit of Reefer Madness? <laughs> I, I, uh, how can I not be? <laughs> how can I not be after that beautiful intro? <laughs> All right, guys. So if you want to play along, this movie is available to stream on Amazon Prime. Surprisingly, it's not available on Showtime anymore, even though it's a Showtime movie. But Sad. it is on Amazon Prime. Sad. And you can find it, you can rent it in uh, different mediums. Um, so watch the movie, and we'll be back in a few minutes. We'll play some trivia, and we'll talk about it. We'll see you on the other side. I hope we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. <laughs> we just watched Reefer Madness, the movie musical. Oh boy, we sure did. Oh boy, we sure did. First reactions. <laughs> there's a, well, uh, I will say that there's a lot of movie there. Um, <laughs> we were, uh, to say the least. We were discussing how, uh, how the, uh, the original film is actually quite short, so they mm-hmm. uh, they really packed a lot of extra plot in there. They did. Um, it was fun. I was a little on the fence at about the halfway point. Mm-hmm. I felt like it, it it did kind of drag a bit in the middle, mm-hmm. and it started to bring up in me questions about how needed this satire was because I think obviously the original movie is just such a ridiculous on its own. Yeah. It's such a ridiculous thing on its own. Right. And obviously it was clear that they were, you know, playing up the ridiculousness of the film and its entire point of view. Um, and then just turning it up to 11. And so I found myself kind of, Wondering whether that was all the movie really had to offer. And right. then also seeing all these different extensions that they were giving to the plot as well, that I was like, well, now it feels like you're just kind of trying to extend it to justify making a musical out of it, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. Um, when it got to the end, I I was I was intrigued by the fact that the film really actually does kind of hammer home on on like what a big problem just not only the film that it's based on but the entirety of the whole propaganda machine the the whole propaganda machine against against you know marijuana in particular but then also more broadly against you know anything that threatens "quote unquote" good American ideals, society, and um, yeah, exactly the whole society thing. So, so, so I, I, th- I found myself a little more won over by the fact that the film really did try to hammer home that, like, oh, this is actually part of like a fairly, you know, a fairly bad aspect of you know the American ideal, it's a and systematic problem. Yes, yeah, exactly. So, um, so. So that that sort of won it back for me a little bit. Um, 
So yeah, it, it was fun. It was fun. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not expect there to be zombies and so much right. gore. Right. Um, now I can clearly see why you love this film so much. Um, what are you trying to say? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Game recognized game. You know what I mean? Um, so uh, so yeah, it was fun. It no, was this, fun. Uh, I, I can... Full disclosure, you know, we're both sober when watching this movie and, just, and talking about this movie. And, and clearly I think that part of the enjoyment of this movie is that it's meant to be watched under the influence as well. It's I feel like it's, you know, some movies are made for that type of audience, and <coughs> this movie is clearly marketed to a stoner audience, I feel like. Yeah, um, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely gilding the lily quite a bit right. uh, throughout as far as just, there's like, so, there's just too many. Up. There's too many in-jokes for stoner yeah. specifically for not to be <coughs> yeah and, exactly like plastering 420 every right. where there are numbers right. um and all that so so i i think that it's it's a clever movie um it works yeah. as a musical and um it it works as a satire but we're, we're going to talk in a little bit of if yeah. how well it works as a satire well, yeah yeah there are a few things that i i, I share your concerns about um yeah, and, and we we'll talk about that more in depth, um, but um, but I think that the work of the music and lyrics itself goes a long way because it, that like if it was just like a comedy and it was just trying to do like the ridiculous stuff, then that would have been one thing. Yeah. But ma- painting making it as like a musical, especially because like the music and lyrics I think are are quite strong, and yeah. I feel like. It's, it's very cleverly written. Yeah. And the music's really catchy. Yeah, yeah. I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, I thought I thought the music on the whole was pretty fun. Um, you know, it definitely, you know, borrows a lot from, you know, all all the classic right. musical theater tropes musical and stuff theater, like that. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, and I think for, for what the film was ultimately trying to go for in terms of in terms of, you know, turning up the satire to ultimately be more of a mm-hmm. message about just, like, you know, how utterly insane the, you know, the the propaganda machine against the the quote-unquote other is. Right. Like, the fact that they're, that that's what the film is really about. Um, right. So I, so I think that, you know, yeah, the choice to make it a musical definitely helps with that. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, musicals are a wonderful vehicle for those kinds of, yeah. you know, more, sub, more subversive ideas with a flashy coat of paint. Um, and then, you know, the, the bigger question is just, you know, how much of their cake did they try to have while eating it? And a well? musical already is such a, I think, like a difficult undertaking. It's really hard to make yeah. a successful musical. And I can actually kind of see where this would be more fun to watch live. Yeah, that's the other thing, too, is that, you know, musicals are, you know, a big part of it is the spectacle. And certainly I think they did a really good job with, like, the show-stopping numbers. But I think, uh, you know, an audience in a live theater is going to be a little more forgiving of the time that they give over to doing those showstoppers than, you know... uh, two cool roommates sitting right. at home. So. <laughs> just watching it on a just, big screen just, Yeah, TV. just watching it on a big screen. <laughs> a wonderful big screen, but uh, yeah. So, before we delve into the discussion more, we're going to play some Reefer Madness trivia. Absolutely. You ready to try your hand at some trivia? I, 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 we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we're going to see. You don't feel very confident about this one? No, well, you know, look. Uh, my brains uh, <laughs> may be a little marmalade, so, <laughs> so we'll see. All right. Well, as always, this is going to be five questions. 
they're going to be great in a gradient from least difficult to most difficult. Um, and then there's a bonus question at the end. And the grand prize, as usual, is a bragging rights. Yeah. Yeah. So here comes question number one. All right. Alan Cummings' lecturer refers to which type of musicians as agents of evil? That would be jazz musicians. Jazz musicians! <laughs> uh, first of all, how great was Alan Cumming in this movie? Oh my god, so good. <laughs> so good! When is he not good, though? Oh, he's just... He's, he is such a delightful, delightful. He was playing multiple performer. roles. Yeah, I I was I was very on board with the with the gag of him just popping up all mm-hmm. over the world of the film to kind of continue his ongoing narration. And this is this guy is Scottish, and I mean he does one of the best American accents that I've ever heard from like a foreigner, you know. And yeah, definitely, definitely nailed that uh, nailed that lecturer voice. Right. I, uh, yeah, I thought it was it was just perfect. There's so many um, great gags. Uh, as the lecturer, like really like subtle things that he does. My favorite one is when he asks uh, Mr. Kaczynski uh, where he matriculated, and then uh, he, Kaczynski doesn't know what that means. And the way that Alan Cumming delivers the line when he says it means where did you go to college? Yeah, is such a condescending, like yeah. perfect snobby way to do it. You know, I love the way he does it. He's like just so over it. Yeah, but um, yeah, he's great in this movie. Um, do you? Oh, speaking of jazz, do you like jazz? No. Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, I am not. I'm not very deep in my knowledge. Mm-hmm. I will say that. Uh, yeah, there. It's 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 definitely one of the genres I could go much deeper into. Mm-hmm. Um, it is kind of crazy that jazz did have an association with marijuana. Yeah, and I guess. For good reason, because I mean, not just jazz, but musicians in general have always, you know, experimented with drugs of various, and you know, John yeah. Coltrane and a bunch of others. They were hooked on heroin, even. Yeah, that's a thing. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I think, yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely an association there. I know, you know, you know I, uh, one of the many colloquialisms for uh, joints that I always heard was jazz cigarettes, right? Jazz cigarettes. Like that, so, but it's crazy, like um, how that's used to demonize not just the drug but yeah. also the community like well that's the thing yeah i think i think that yeah the association with jazz has i mean on the one hand you know yes certainly you know there's 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 you know a bit of drug use among musicians to be sure but also it is it is very clear that it is it is you know the the association between marijuana and jazz i think is also very much about you know Coding it as as a black thing, right? And and because jazz music came yeah. about from black yeah, Americans, exactly. Yeah, it, it wrote. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I my dad, who is a very big jazz enthusiast, could give you a much better rundown of, <laughs> right. of the historical of the historical rise We're of jazz in America, it for the podcast but, purpose. Yeah, yeah, but um, but yeah, no, it's it's obviously a very a very uh, black uh, genre of right. music. Mm-hmm. So um, so yeah, it's and so yeah, the definitely the the linking. Between marijuana and jazz is very much very much about about painting it in that way mm-hmm. um, so. and we'll talk about more uh, in a second about how marijuana uh, the the uh, the propaganda against marijuana has always had that coded yeah. message behind it it's about really against minorities it's not really against the yeah. plant itself but before we do that let's go to question number two indeed question number two is who is the MC 
of Club Celestial. The MC of Club Celestial is Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc! Yes, indeed. No, with her, with no. that very thick French accent. No, Christian Martyr works it harder. Uh, I loved uh, her line, uh, the stranger from the main Yeah, when she's introducing, introducing Jesus. Jesus. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's how uh, you do it. Listen to Jesus, Jimmy is my absolute favorite piece from this show. Yeah, it's your, that's your favorite number? I, I don't know why. I, I the, the, the Tom Jones quality of it, the Vegas show girl quality of it, it just works for me. And all the like the little <laughs> gags that the that the song has, not just in the lyrics, but musically, yeah. it, are so good. Like the way it references the 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 uh, Messiah. Yeah. And it says it says like uh, and the Lord God hateth marijuana, marijuana. Like mm-hmm. they just work it in so perfectly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was definitely impressed with those little flourishes. Um I <laughs> I would say that that number was definitely where I was starting to feel the the show as a whole drag a little mm-hmm. bit. Um but it definitely on its own a, a big a big very fun number and and yeah it was it was definitely one of those things where like as I was watching it I was like yeah this is starting to drag a little bit but by the end of it I was also like that looks like it would have been a ton of fun to see live right. so too so and and story wise I guess like it's the one number in the show that doesn't really propel the plot forward it kind of yeah. does literally stop the show well yeah exactly because you know any musical number in a musical has to um, advance. It has to advance uh, a character's, you know, journey. In, yes. journey in some way, whether it be, you know, through their own personal evolution and thinking, or whether it be through, you know, their expressing something to someone else, or someone else trying to express something to them. And this. And the, and so the problem with that number is that it's this kind of weird amorphous thing where it's kind of. God saying to him, well, Jesus literally right. saying to him, "Don't do that." Except Jesus is not a character in the show, right? Other than for the numbers, so, so yeah, that's kind of a moment. That was kind of the first moment where I was like, okay, now it's like really taking its time and and sort of you know it, from a storytelling perspective, mm-hmm. kind of wasting my. Time and I recognize over. that, but I feel like the yeah. piece on its own, I yeah. think, is my favorite musical number. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun, and 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 I I loved the. Game. I love the musical touches too. So. Uh, fun fact: Robert Torty, who played Jesus, he was in the original off-Broadway production of Reefer Madness, and he played Jack, which was Stephen Weber's character. Oh. But he also played Jesus. It's just that in the show, the person who played Jack, and along with playing uh, George Washington at the end, also played the Jesus character. But Robert Torty only plays Jesus in this version of it nice. um, and so I thought you know I thought he did a really a really good job he's really hilarious uh, as Jesus <laughs> yeah um, another fun fact is that the number uh, two at least two of the angels in the number were actual Las Vegas showgirls really yeah well, that's kind of cool yeah 
All right. Now, well, that was the other thing also that that I, I I guess I had a little bit of umbrage with was uh, how how uh, and and again I get that a big part of it is that it is trying to emulate the Las Vegas look, um, but you know the fact that just after we had that number when uh, you know he smokes marijuana for the first time and all the scantily clad girls now mm-hmm. we're seeing scantily clad angels too and I was right. like oh, really I mean. You know, yeah. there's a there's I mean there's a lot of scantily clad people in this. Yeah, there which are. is another reason why I picked it for. Well, yeah, exactly. It's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> Gratuitous sex and violence. <laughs> but but yeah, no, definitely a, a little bit of the muddled message. I got some good side. All right, uh, let's anyways. go to question number three. Yes. Question number three. Alan Cummings lecturer praises the school's uh, drama club's recent and so he's told. Highly lauded presentation of which play? Ooh. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Happens at the very beginning. I, of the I remember. I remember the moment. I remember. Yeah, I remember everything about that moment except for the title of the play and, uh, so uh, it's like it's like something green something or green something green I don't yeah but yep. but but that's all I got green something green something all right so you give up yeah I give up okay it's green grow the lilacs green grow the lilacs which is an actual play it was a 1930 play by Lynn Riggs okay. named after a popular folk song of the same name uh, it was performed 64 times on Broadway. And it forms the basis of the 1943 musical Oklahoma, which is widely considered to be the first modern musical. Yeah, wow, that's that's fascinating. So I think that that you know that's a, actually a pretty clever thing to put in there. So if, if you're writing a yeah. musical, homage Oklahoma. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, and especially the relationship between the original Reefer Madness and this one. Right. And obviously, like yeah, the this kind of smaller thing that would go on to influence this much bigger very different medium in a way Mm -hmm. yeah so that's That's a fun fun little reference Mm -hmm. I like that alright so let's go to question number four (coughs) now this is a every time that we go we come to like questions three and four I always like have a hard time (laughs) figuring out which one's harder and there are often times where you've missed three but then four is like yeah yeah that's what I'm that's what I'm banking (laughs) on right now look It's so, my strategy, you know? It's it's the mid-game hump, and once you get over the hump, then right. it's all downhill. Well, let's see. Here comes question number four. All right. What is the name of William Randolph Hearst's newspaper that's quoted by the lecturer in the film? Oh, shit. Uh, oh, oh, was it the... Um, shit. Okay, I'm gonna just. I'll tell you what. No, no, I'm just, I'm just gonna say Chicago Tribune. I know it's wrong, but uh, Chicago Tribune. It's wrong. Yeah, it's fucking wrong. The correct answer is the San Francisco Examiner. Ah, yeah. Now William Randolph Hearst was a powerful businessman, newspaper person. Um, I guess you could call him a magnet. Yeah. Uh, from the turn of the century, that being the 1900s. Yeah. Uh, and he was well-known, or the, the San Francisco Examiner was well-known for its yellow journalism, its sensationalism, its propaganda. 
He himself led a very spirited campaign against marijuana and come to find out that, you know, it was for two main reasons. Reason number one is that he had stock in the lumber industry and his newspapers used wood pulp from the lumber industry, which was in direct competition with the hemp industry at the time. And so he was um, actively rooting against the, for, for, or for the demise of the hemp industry. Yeah. And marijuana comes from the hemp plant, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. a different strain, but, you know, same family. Yeah. Um, and reason number two is that he was a very racist individual and he especially hated uh, Hispanic Americans or Mexican Americans and he, uh, he associated marijuana, which is the Spanish word for cannabis, yeah. uh, with Mexican Americans and that's why he popularized, popularized the word marijuana as a way to demonize not only the drug but Mexican Americans. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Right on. Thank you, Mr. William Randolph Hearst. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you very much, I guess. <laughs> kind of what comes to mind. All right. So, um, oh, well. And also, was, uh, wasn't was uh, Citizen Kane, wasn't that supposed Citizen Kane to, was, was based on based, William Randolph Hearst. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, I, I remember, yeah, I remember feeling like, yeah. There's, there's yeah, William Randolph there. Hearst tried to um, drown that movie when it came out because he saw yeah. himself quite clearly in it. Mm. And it's a fantastic movie, I mean. Yeah, yeah. It really, if anything, it gives William Randolph Hearst too much humanity, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> gives a little too much credit. <laughs> All right, so we got one more. Question number five. Yeah. I yeah. think that this is the hardest one. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And this has been this has been a tough quiz. It you, has been, been surprising. You've been bringing you've been bringing the bringing the elmels. Finally, I feel like recently all my quizzes have been too easy. <laughs> <laughs> it was bound to happen someday. Okay. okay well, let's see. Let's see. Five. Now you did pick out a couple of these, all so right. you're already on the right track. Okay. But here's question number five. How many instances of the number 420 can be spotted in the film? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Um, there is uh, the... There is... Uh, okay. Okay. Um, there is... Uh, in, in the church, uh, the little hymnal board mm. that displays what which hymn you're going to read, mm. that has all 420s. Um you can see 420 on the road sign into the town at the very mm-hmm. end of the film. Uh, I am pretty sure there was a 420 somewhere in the house, in the in the the house where the the druggies live. I forget where specifically it was, but I remember seeing that. Uh, oh, uh, it was also on um, one of the prices. I'm pretty sure in the. Uh, in the little Shake Shack where they had that that one dance number where uh, Jimmy first meets Jack. Um, hmm. Hmm. So I'm gonna say... Since the question is simply how many and doesn't necessarily demand that I name all of them... Which is true. Uh, I'm gonna say five just to be safe. It's four. It is four. God damn. Four times. And, and I knew and I got them all. <laughs> Fuck. You thought maybe you missed one. I was so sure I missed one. Uh, now, maybe, play, play uh, maybe I missed one. I don't know. So I'll put a question mark next to this one because yeah. I, I don't think there's one in the Shake Shack. 
Listeners, save me. <laughs> give give me the point, listeners. Point it out if to you, us. If you guys saw wait, one you in did, the wait, Shake you Shack. Did, you didn't see one in the Shake Shack? Um, mm, I did not. And okay, so, so which ones did you see? The ones that are officially from the IMDb trivia page. Okay, well, I think IMDb is pretty tough to dispute. I mean, so. I don't know. But again, listeners, if you have a problem, you can tweet at us, okay. gsvpod, at gsvpod. And uh, let us know if you did if you caught it in the Shake Shack, and if so, then I will give Ned full credit. Um, but the four ones, according to IMDb, are the number four twenty. That's uh, on the outside of the house. The address. Oh yes, that's right. Okay, yes. Uh, there is the sign in the church, as yeah. you pointed out. Uh, there's also um, the time of day. In the reefer den on the clock, whenever May and Jack go out for Chinese, it was 420. Oh. Uh, and then the town sign at the end of the movie also has population 420. So those are the four times according to IMDb. Yeah. But but look, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah. if you guys find a fifth, let us know. There All might right. be five. So question mark around that one. But still, good job. I mean... It's hard to. I, I would have. I think I, I would have had t- uh, trouble like thinking of it because I would have overshot it too. I would have said there's like four twenties everywhere. There's yeah. probably like seven or eight of them. Yeah. So I'm I'm, I'm really impressed yeah. that you limited yourself only to five. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. My restraint is legendary. So here comes bonus question. Yes. And the bonus question is about the actor John Cassier, who plays Ralph. Okay. He has a very distinctive laugh, and he is better known for using this laugh as the macabre wisecracker on which classic cable anthology series? Hmm. It was a show that ran from June 10th, 1989. To July nineteenth, nineteen ninety six. If that gives you a clue. Hmm. Eighty nine to ninety six. Mm-hmm. Anthology series. Mm-hmm. That is a good one. Yeah. And he and and his laugh features prominently. Very prominently, and it's one of the big like early cable shows. Oh my God. Yeah. I I am I am I uh, I I don't I I don't know I don't know at all. <laughs> it was Tales from the Crypt, oh. where he played the Crypt Keeper. Oh, yeah, crazy. He introduced I, every episode. I I did not know that. I know nothing about Tales of the Crypt. Honestly, it's a great show. So there you go. I actually have that show, so you should watch it. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Learn something new every day. It's very, very cool. Uh, and John Cassier, an interesting tidbit about him, uh, that was actually like a, one of the first prominent mainstream um, roles also for a an Arab-American. His dad is Iraqi and his mom is Syrian. Hmm. So, nice. Mr. John Cassier. 
Right on. Yeah. Right on, my dude. So, all right. Well, you did yeah. fine, I guess. I, I don't I don't get You got two, right? right? I, yeah, I got two. So no bragging rights no for bragging this right. one. No. For the first time, right? I think. I, yeah. I think much. for the first time ever, I think. you get zero bragging rights because you didn't cross the halfway mark. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. That's a fair <laughs> metric that we can use. Um, you got you got to get you got to get the best out of 5 at least. Yeah. So at, at, least. at the time of its production back in 2005, this was one of the most complicated musicals filmed for television. The movie contains 16 musical sequences, several complex large-scale dance numbers, and cast members that act, use their actual singing voices. We talked a little bit about the music and lyrics, but um, let's talk a little bit more. Like, what um, did you have? Like any numbers or or dance sequences that you felt like you know? Oh yeah, I love this. Or ones that you absolutely like hated. Like what 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 were your fe- what were you, what were you thinking about the musical there? Um, I I think uh, it definitely ended strong. I thought mm-hmm. the final number. Um, that you know starts on death row mm-hmm. with you know President Roosevelt barging in and uh, giving him a presidential pardon. Which, by the way, I love the complete the complete fuck up of how how presidential pardons work. Because you can't pardon people it, it, for murder. It, it That's one, a state issue. <laughs> one also because it's it's uh, I think it's like a, a presidential pardon is an implicit acknowledgement of your guilt. So right. that would not be fit for that situation where yeah, he is literally being exonerated yeah. at the last minute. Like that's you go to a fucking judge to get a stay of execution. That's what you do. So now in the in the original movie, he does receive a presidential pardon. Like it's uh, he doesn't appear in person though. I think it's like mailed or something. Um, if I remember correctly, I don't know. But um, but yeah, like the president yeah, can't. I, I forget a lot of the details of the movie. But the president for no reason in particular. The, um, the president can't pardon you if you're sentenced to murder. That's a state issue. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about. Yeah, it's I not a federal issue. Um, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, but you but, like it? I, that's a, it's but, a really but good yeah, number. But yeah, with the that, dancing well, inmates. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like the dance sequence was really good. Um, really well staged. Um, the way it kind of you know brings back you know all of the different actors and those you know the Uncle Sam roles and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, and also just because that was the number where. I finally sort of got what the movie was playing right. at. That right. was where they, they re, you know, again, because they were being not subtle about it, which I appreciated <laughs> to get it through my thick skull, um, you know, what the movie's mission statement was really about. Um, I uh, I really liked, uh, <laughs> I also really liked uh, the duets between, um, bo- both duets between uh, Jimmy and Mary, um, Which was the Romeo and Juliet song, yeah, the and Romeo then the Mary Juliet's, Lane, song. and then the Mary Lane song. The Mary Lane song was kind of was kind of sw- was sweet, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, y- yeah, it, it, it extended the arc of the movie in a very extreme way. Right. But, um, uh, My favorite thing about the Mary Lane song is when they start doing like the Ike and Tina Turner thing, and they're, like they're just like <laughs> rocking out to this very sweet song, but they're just like clearly like just like grabbing it by the balls and yeah. just like going to town. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it was really. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was a very sweet number. Um, yeah. Uh, Kristen Bell can can fucking sing. Oh, yeah. I, I did not realize. Well, she's in Frozen. She plays Anna in Frozen. 
Well, there she you sings go. in that. Well, there you go. Shows you what I know. She sings quite a bit, you know. Yeah. She's actually a really, I mean, she's pretty good. She's a good yeah. performer. Yeah. I mean, they're all great performers. In yeah, this. yeah, absolutely. Uh, styles um, of dance in this, I thought that that was really interesting how eclectic the music and the dances in this show or yeah. in this movie. Uh, it ranges from Bob, Bob Fosse inspired jazz. We got some Bollywood, some hip hop, hip, hip hop, some hip hop. <laughs> Some hip you, sound, you sound like one of the parents in the fucking lecture there. What is this hip hop business, Jimmy? Are you smoking the reefer? <laughs> uh, and of course, Las Vegas type show dancing. There were more than 400 dancers who auditioned, um, in, in, and then they finally they narrowed it down to 30 for the final production. Uh, the orgy dance number is another like highlight to me. I like yeah. that. I like that a lot. It's really. And I like the way that it, it it becomes like it goes from like the set of the house where he's smoking into like a, a sound stage. Yeah, that's very old Hollywood to me. Yeah, very much so. Uh, and, and then and then it has that uh, that top down view when right. she's singing up, and yeah. they're all like the circle around her. Yeah, it was very very old school Hollywood. Yeah, I, like I, I liked it a lot. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, it, Fun fact about the dance number, one of the dancers is the director's wife, that's Andy Fickman. Another one is Christian Campbell's real-life girlfriend at the time. And the remaining dancers were strippers who were hired to do the dance sequence. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, they fucking nailed it. Yeah. yeah. It's really, yeah. really yes. fun. That was actually a really good number, too, now that I'm thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With Alan Jimmy's, coming Jimmy's as the first... goat man. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. They're just like they're just praying to that demon. They're the what? What? What name were they chanting to him when he when he got out of the? It was like Moloch or something. Yeah, like, like Moloch or something. Yeah. Like it was just like okay, yeah. yeah. We're really the really god of the earth. <laughs> yeah. Um, Wait, wasn't Moloch the god that from the craft that they were chanting to? Also, isn't he like the earth spirit? Was that, was that, wait, we'll have to confirm this. We'll have to, after the fact. I think it was similar, maybe not Moloch, but it was something very similar. I'm just saying, that, that, that would be crazy. I can almost picture Nancy Down saying it. Well, and especially with that, uh, Nev Campbell connection. Oh yeah, Nev Campbell. Holy fuck. The Um, Nev Campbell connection, the Nev Campbell-Moloch connection. You know what, we're officially determining that it is true, because if there's anything this movie teaches us, it's that, you know, you make your own truth. Yeah. Truth is not objective. Right. Um, so... Yeah, that, that's just the way it is. Just the way it is. Just appeal to their fear, and Let's, I do appeal to my fear. <laughs> so there you go. Let's go straight into the GSV segments. The first of which is shots, 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 shots. We're talking about the gratuitous death and violence in this movie, which is a surprising amount for yes. a musical. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I was not expecting anywhere near this level of like outright. Violence. Um, First just, of all, how many deaths? Uh, who, who do we have dying in this movie? All right, we got the man that he hits with the car. We've got uh, his, you know, Mary. We've got uh, Jack. We've got Ralph. Uh, one more. It is one more. One it's not, more. You sure it's not four? You one sure? more. I'm just gonna <laughs> overshoot. God damn it! Uh, oh, fucking. I'm, 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 I lost it. Who's the Sally? One? Sally. Yeah. Blonde Sally. Blonde Sally. That's Damn right. Buddy. Yeah. <laughs> she, she got eaten. Yeah, she did. Ralph ate her. She got really fucking eaten. 
and then um, made out with her with decapitated yeah. head. Boy, boy, I'll tell you. Fucking ya, if, gory. If, I'll, t- I'll tell you, if, if we had like a, a a bingo card for, you know, unexpected things to appear right. in the movie of the night, <laughs> cannibalism, <laughs> cannibalism, I would have been like, nope, take that card back. The I'm weed made him hungry for human flesh. They explained yeah, it Yeah, I movie. mean, it's the natural extension of the munchies, clearly. Mm-hmm. You know, once you're done with the fucking Doritos, you just gotta have a finger or a leg or two. Fava beans and a nice Chianti. Uh, Another memorable instance of gore is when May played amazingly by Anna Gosteyer. She's one of my favorite roles in this movie. Yeah, she fucking killed. And when she kills Jack and she's bringing down the hoe and then the blood's just splattering all over her face. Yeah. Very nice touch there. Oh, and I mean, the reprise to the stuff, that song, first of all, the stuff is also one of my favorite numbers. I love the downbeat quality of it. (laughs) And I just love like the way, like her little touches, like when she's like going through the house and just like um, making sure that the picture frame is straight. And then when she sticks her head out the window and screams, rape me. And everybody yeah. just like loses their shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, she's she's great. I love like her. I guess it was like kind of like a like a Catherine Hepburn style delivery of her lines, the way yeah. that she spoke. Also, yeah, just like very put upon and very mm-hmm. very dramatic. And like and like and the thing is that like. It, it, it was kind of tricky because, you know, obviously I knew that they were trying to emulate the relationship, you know, between her and Jack from the original film. And and so they, they kept in enough of the dysfunctionality of it that, like, that, that it was clear they were trying to make gags out of it. And, some, mm-hmm. and sometimes it landed. And then other times I was like, this is actually a little dark, I guess. Right. Like, um, especially like that one scene where she comes back in with a black eye. And I was like, yeah, there's that. I mean, there's a that, lot that of got a little real. Got there's a, a lot of domestic there. violence in the movie. Yeah, absolutely, a ton. Oh my god! Yeah. I mean, yeah, he slaps her around like the whole fucking movie, right? And, and punches um, her off screen. Yeah, and yeah. she falls on the table. Yeah. Um, so. Which I again, I don't remember how violent. I know that the again, like you said, there was the there was the dysfunctionality in the original, but I don't remember how yeah. violent it got in the original. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I. I th- I wouldn't be surprised if there was like a slap or two in the original mm-hmm. one, but um, but yeah, they definitely you know I mean pretty much everything about this movie is just cranked dialed up, up to, yeah uh, 11. eleven right um so <laughs> yeah um but but yeah no she she nailed that role mm-hmm. and and you know especially because like for a song like the stuff um that kind of comedic number where like. Every line is the punchline, right. yeah, um, and the delivery of the line, uh, yeah, and and so it's and it's and it's very hard to make a number like oh, yeah. that land. Like that's that you know you're kind of writing yourself into a corner a little bit if if you're going to have the whole base of your number be you know that same pun right. of the stuff, the stuff. Um, but uh, but but she but she fucking kept it. She fucking kept it alive for the mm-hmm. whole thing. So mm-hmm. I was I was really impressed. And then yeah, I really liked how it reprised. Uh, Towards the end, too. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, and she, of course, is better known for being on SNL for uh, a number of years. I believe it was like between '96 and 2002 that yeah. she was on the show, and she was always great on SNL. Also, yeah. Uh, and I, I it's, it's kind of weird because so you said that she actually came out to your theater to see a show, but I don't remember her being in a lot of like m- musical numbers or anything. It re- well, the first time I I saw this, it really surprised me that. 
she had the chops because she has a really good voice. Yeah, yeah, she's an incredible singer. I was surprised by that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. What what other instances of violence do we have in this movie? Memorable um, violence. Well, uh, actually, uh, 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 in addition to cannibalism, another thing that would definitely go on my unexpected bingo card for this movie uh, would definitely be zombies. Oh, yeah. Z- uh, zombies. Reefer zombies. Would be zombies <laughs> twice. Yeah. That, like, you, yeah, you have them in that very first number, and then you also have them return for right. the murder number. For the, for the murder finale. Yeah, know. the murder finale. So, um... So yes, a lot, uh, yeah, a lot of the zombies, a lot of the weed zombies. Uh, we got that cannibalism. We and then, got and, uh, and the, like the, the, I mean, that's a good point because I didn't really think about that as like I get, but that is violent. Like when they first appear and they're just like devouring, devouring the all the parents. Yeah. And yeah, it's just right from I, the get go. I love the one uh, mother who gets like ripped through the through wall. the wall. Like, yeah, yeah. I was like ooh, yeah, that well, it just just like how quickly and viscerally she disappeared right. from that wall. I was like fucking fucking nice. And um, what did you think? I know this is slightly off topic, but what did you think about the balancing between the black and white and the color of the movie? Uh, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, you know, it's just kind of the kind of the quickest, easiest way to keep your, you know, c- because obviously the you know both sequences are taking place around the same mm-hmm. time period. Mm-hmm. So you need you need some you need some sort of quick shorthand just to help the audience keep track of you know, which continuity we're looking at right now. So, um, I think it generally worked. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and I, and I appreciate the decision to, uh, to keep the framing device in black and white so that, uh, you get, uh, the benefit of a little more color diversity for, uh, for the, the, the main, the yeah. main, the main event. I dig it too. So, yeah. Uh, let's go right into our next segment, which is called boob tube. We're going to talk about the gratuitous sex and nudity in this movie, which yeah. also there is quite a bit in this yeah. movie. You know, again, it's like the, you know, the the propaganda around marijuana, it's all tied up in this really ugly coded, you know, racism, you mm-hmm. know, this idea that uh, you know, you you're, you know, it's going to your your woman's going to uh going to fall in with a bad crowd right. and become a hussy and um <laughs> And especially that that one scene where um where he's where uh, the the lecturer is is talking into the camera and there's a man playing saxophone right. right behind him and then a woman just like rips off her top for him. He specifically says how it, how the unnecessary grace notes affects white women. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> he specifically that he really hammers that women. home. Um, yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, um, a lot of a lot of uh, you know half exposed bosom mm-hmm. uh, in this. We get some butts also in the prison shower scene. Yes, in the prison shower scene, which, uh, which appar- apparently that. people uh, does. I don't know if if that's where that stereotype comes from, but it's mentioned in 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 the movie that there was a tract going around that was saying that marijuana makes prisoners have sexual urges yeah that was a new one Mm -hmm. i'm not sure i mean i think i think a big part of the fun of the movie is that it was also clear that 
there were a lot of these, you know, facts Factoids. about what marijuana does for you that he was clearly also just making up. So, well, but, I, I, but a I, lot of them are, that I, that I've checked out, I haven't checked out that one specifically. But a lot of them that I checked out were actual propaganda from the time. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, they they were definitely using a lot of the real mm-hmm. talking points and even talking points that weren't in the original Reefer Madness. Right. Like I I could tell. Yeah, but but yeah, I definitely did see a lot of those in the movie. Um, yeah, I think the the prison one. I've never heard. I, I mean, mean, it wouldn't it would surprise just I, me uh, well, if people believed it. That's still... Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that's that's the first time I would have... I, right. I heard that. Right. And, and just because I've, I've definitely... I've I've read, like, one or two books about... Right. about I haven't I haven't heard it be- beyond so. this movie either. So it might, it might not be real, but I yeah. thought that was interesting uh, use of, I guess, like, the whole... Yeah, marijuana propaganda thing. Yeah. Uh, also, I guess when 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 Jimmy is in the first throes of the reefer addiction, he gets into the shower with his mom. So marijuana leads to incest. incest? I mean, it, you're, you're you're unsure of your surroundings. You're uh, you know giggling uncontrollably, and uh, yeah, sometimes you just get in your shower and fuck your mom. You know, it's just yeah. like. Natural progression. Natural, very, you know, uh, it makes sense to me, you know, that it's, you got to study it out. Um, There's a lot of sex in in the numbers also, like the orgy scene um, has a lot of like sexy dancers and and thongs and, but... So, in, inclu- including uh, Jimmy's including own Jimmy. dance belt, that very Who nice... Is vi- yeah. Chris, uh, Mr. Campbell is very toned, very yes. buff. Yes, he is. This, those dance, like, holding him up by like all like the arms and legs, that's really hard to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but there's also like surprisingly like a lot of sex in the heaven sequence too. In the when when they're doing the show stopping like Las Vegas number, like all yeah. of those angels are very scantily clad. And, yeah, very much. And the so. male angels are like topless, also. Yeah, and, well, and and Jesus, and Jesus, Jesus is pretty fucking buff there right. too. Um, so there's just like a lot of sex permeating this movie. Yeah, very much. Um, so. um and then um, uh, I I did appreciate uh, the little twist that uh, you know the 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 nightmare scenario of uh, of Mary Lane's character mm. um, getting hooked on the stuff is that uh she you know she she taps into her own love right. of snm she becomes I, a dominatrix yeah and, <laughs> and and even too much for ralph right um that all of a sudden he was like oh no i want no part of this and kristen bell is amazing in that number she's yeah. she, she's really good at like having that like that devilish quality and both because it because it goes back and forth between her as mary lane and then her as this dominatrix and yeah. she's like really great at tapping into that darker side of her own sexuality kind of yeah very much so yeah that's the thing yeah Kristen Bell she um yeah she's she's always kind of uh yeah been very good at like at um at, at like yeah like these like fun little comedic twists on on her own sexuality um that's something i noticed like in uh veronica mars which is one lot. of my all-time favorite shows yeah exactly love um, veronica mars uh you you were the one who introduced me to veronica mm-hmm. mars in fact and uh yeah and christian and, I, and christian bell is like one of my celebrity crushes yeah full <laughs> disclosure yeah, <of> <laughs> uh, dude i i don't fucking blame you um she she she'd be up there on i don't i don't know if she's like my top celebrity crush but um but uh yeah definitely definitely up there she's just really cool yeah she yeah she seems like an incredible human being and um yeah just so brilliantly hilarious right in a good place also she's great yeah she's she's just really good and also like because when we when we're introduced to the mary lane character she's like that stereotypical like demure 
uh, 30s woman who's like, oh, I don't want to think about smart things because all I can think about is like, you know, boys and babies. (laughs) And she's very good at delivering that (laughs) without like with. It, it seems like very earnest. It doesn't have a hint of irony. Yeah. And that's really like what you want to sell the satire. Yeah. It's like she, she as Mary Lane, like earnestly believes in the boys and babies of it all. Exactly. And, and like down, the whole, down to their, down to their earnest belief that Romeo and Juliet. Right. That's what happily. I was about to say. Romeo yep. and Juliet is going to end happily ever after. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I want to talk about Nev Campbell also. Now we, yeah, yeah. I was hoping for a bigger role for her, but uh, but uh, it was a very fun appearance that we got. So it's funny that you say that because so Nev, of course, was at the time of this release, two thousand five. She was the most recognizable actress in the film because um, Kristen Bell was still not the Kristen Bell we know and love. She was just like beginning. And all the other one, uh, actors, Anna Gasser was from SNL, but she never really had like a big like movie presence or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, Christian Campbell definitely never had a, like, a big presence or anything like that. So Nev was like the big star power in this movie. And I guess Alan Cumming, too, although I think his breakout role was X2, which I think came out like around the same time when yeah. he played. Um, um, Wait, did X2 come out before or after Spy Kids? Because he had a pretty big no role idea. in that. Um, Oof! I, that, they both came out around the same time, though, yeah. around the, the like the mid, the early to mid two thousands. And, and boy, it's sad that I can't think of any other big <laughs> Alan Cumming roles. <laughs> like all I know him from is definitely X Two and Spy Kids. Um, so full disclosure, there, audience. You know, lay it bare. No but bragging he, he rights here. He played Nightcrawler in X Two, and that was really the thing that brought him to the American audience. Yeah. You know, psyche. But uh, so so Nev Campbell, point being, Nev Campbell was the name in this movie. And um, the role that she does have is pretty relatively small. The production actually wanted to give her a bigger part, but it was decided that it was unwise to do so because the two biggest female leads are both romantically involved with Christian Campbell's character. Ah. And Christian is, of course, Neff Campbell's older brother. Yeah. So that would have been weird. But she shot, she's shown as a soda malt lady or soda shop lady. I thought that her dancing was spectacular. And I specifically want to highlight the very sexy tango scene. Yeah. Yeah. Look, you know, there's like just I, I don't know what it is about the tango but um <laughs> it's a very sexy it dance just, it just yeah there's just yeah it, it it just yeah you can't you can't get away from it it's it's infectious i didn't know before watching this movie that nev campbell had a background in dance but she's pretty yeah. good she's really yeah. good and she, and she sang quite a bit in in like i think one or two of those numbers as mm-hmm. well and yeah. um yeah, yeah, she fucking she fucking killed it. Now, an interesting fact is uh, Stephen Weber has actually said that during the tango scene, he basically just stood there and was a prop and let Nev do her thing around. Him. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> so, funny. Just so to, and it really, I mean, when I, after I I knew that and I was watching it, he does have some moves. He gives himself too little credit. But really, it's all like her doing like all the sexy business around him. Yeah, and and, uh, and but it's a great number. I feel like yeah, and and, and it plays really well because like Jimmy wants to learn how to dance. So I thought that giving you know, yeah, yeah, giving him yeah, giving him a giving him a little opportunity to to lure lure him in further. Yeah, it works really well. Yeah, 
So I forget I forget what it was that um the Jack character did in the original film that that got him to go back. Was it was it over dancing lessons in the original film? That's or? a good question. I forget. Yeah. I don't know. What, maybe we should have seen the original. No, no. I mean, <laughs> I compared just, it. No, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Um so what else do we have sexy time in this? We have the Sally character who is the the I guess the loose woman that we're supposed to beware of. Yeah. Um and she he, even sells her baby. Yeah. <gasps> that that moment. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll talk about that in the next section. But um A- Amy Spang- Spanger. A- Amy Spanger. Who plays Sally I didn't even know she had a last name, but it's Sally DeBanis. Sally DeBanis. And and she's hilarious too. Yeah, I I really liked um I really liked how she just walks into yeah. everything. Um, I uh yeah I I I can appreciate uh, I that's that's like an old running fashioned, joke, right? That's like an old fashioned bit. You know what I mean? Just downstairs. Like, yeah. Well, that's the thing is that I, I I really appreciate how this film was just like peppered with. Uh, you know, you know, the, yeah, there were a lot of little nice details that like did kind of keep the film rooted in its time period. Like, even though it did have such an eclectic right. collection of you know dance styles and musical styles, um, you know the the performances were all very were all very rooted in that you know talky film kind mm-hmm. of uh, quality. And um, uh, so so yeah, I, I thought like her her just kind of perpetually running into right. walls was very just kind of like nice little like old mm-hmm. fashioned. It's a good detail. Style. It's a good detail. Um, so yeah, because it that. plays into like the whole like the ditziness of a, the blonde character that she's yeah. playing also. Yeah, and how you know strung out she is. Yeah, <laughs> just completely strung out. You know, like in addition to the maniacal giggling and you know. Her, for those who can't see me, I'm just doing the big wide crazy. She also d- delivered her double entendre one-liners very well. I thought, like, she has the one where she's like, "If I uh, if I can't turn him on, he doesn't have any switches." Yeah, I like that, I like one. that one. And also when she, when he says he's five foot nine, he she's like, "Let's forget the five feet and concentrate on the nine inches." Yeah. Uh, uh, there was another one. Something something about. Taking in the rear, or something like that. Ooh, yeah. Uh, but yeah. but I, 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 I'm not even going to try to re- reconstruct that quote. But uh, but I, I, I was appreciative of it. Well played. So, do you think that the since we just finished talking about the sex and the violence in the movie, yeah, do you think that it was gratuitous, or do you think that it was that, that it was appropriate in how it lends itself to the satire? Hmm. I was having trouble with these questions. Whenever you ask me about <laughs> about how well the satire is served, and I always and I always shoot back with some sort of amorphous, non-committal answer. So I'm not going to do that this okay. time. Um, I would say uh, it was just the right amount of gratuitous. Okay. I think. Um, yeah, the violence I think t- takes the cake for yeah. this one just right. because of how it's very overwhelming it is, and and I think and I think they probably could have afforded to maybe even make you know a little more scandalous sexual a out of it if they really wanted. Yeah, to. Yeah, that's true. They, they could have because again, I mean, the whole idea of the film is just that it's 
it's terrifying these parents. Right. And, uh, you know, we, we get to see a lot of their reactions mm-hmm. to, like, the awful violence. But we, uh, so yeah, I think there, there could have been maybe a little more fun to have if they wanted to, you know, find a few more scary sexual things right. that would also make for some nice reaction shots for the parents as well. That's true. That's yeah. true. Uh, I think, yeah, I think it's it's fairly appropriate. Um, I agree. I think that the sex is not on, on the same level as the violence, and it yeah. could have been dialed up a little bit more. Yeah, well, because, I, I mean, a big part of it is that I think that it is kind of um, a little bit par for the course just for musicals in general. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, I think, you know, the... You know, the, the, the scantily clad, you know, company of female dancers appearing twice. Right. Um, you know, may, maybe musicals wouldn't necessarily have that many numbers. Yeah. Prominently featuring them. But, but like, yeah, usually, usually those, co- but yeah, usually those costumes are very stylized. And, I mean, look at Cabaret very, in Chicago. Exactly. Like, those yeah. dance so. numbers are really racy. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh. So yeah, I think it, yeah, it's uh, yeah. As far as like the, the 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 standard of musicals as a whole, they're always very showy and mm-hmm. very uh, you know very alluring in mm-hmm. their own way. And yeah, I agree. So uh, so yeah, I think it, yeah, this this movie, you know, and, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure how how it would do it. Um, but but yeah, I think I think you know the 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 angle of having Kristen Bell kind of be this closeted uh, dominatrix right. was 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 a was a step in the right. direction. It was a good touch. So so yeah. All right, let's go into our final segment, which is uh, that's problematic. Um, I want to ask the question before we actually break it down because I know that we have both have a lot of thoughts. I know that you have a lot of thoughts about yeah, this. Yeah, for sure. But here's my general arcing question, and it is again going back to the satire. Um, the movie, of course, satirizes the racial and sexist attitudes of the time of the 1930s, and the question, as always, when we talk about a movie satire or any satire really is like at what point is the satire doing the job that it sets out to do and at what point is it just you know using it as shock humor we have the same issues with tropic thunder for example which we both have discussed how that movie is a satire but at what point is it actually becoming what it's satirizing and just using it to shock the audience yeah, um, I think that, as I, I, I sort of, like, mentioned it a little earlier, um, that uh, the I think the movie kind of showed me more of what it was about in, like, a positive way um, during that final number. Um, the image that really kind of stuck out for me is when you see, like, you know, the whole group of parents storming out of the school carrying torches. Right. And then it cuts to, like, an image of a black family, right. like, retreating Running into away. their house. Um, <laughs> Get away from these crazy and, white people. And, and that was and that was kind of the moment where I was like, oh, okay. Because yeah. that, that moment kind of was just, like, very striking Yeah, it me. is very striking. Um, and uh, so, so, so I think that the fact that they had that, like, I don't know. I, I was impressed by... I was impressed by how they utilized that moment in the closing number. Um, I do think that they did veer a little far from the path as 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 far as like the moment when our uh, collision prone lady uh, sells her Sally. baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sally sells uh, her baby to to the to the Chinese family. Yeah, the Chinese that, market or whatever. Yeah, that that moment. 
was a little difficult for me because I get that the movie was trying to convey like this is not you know like I you know I I get that it's not necessarily that that is the filmmaker's right. perception of you know Chinese culture right. that is that is uh, um, you know white America in the 1930s perception of Chinese culture and we so, do and we do cut to the Asian lady in the meeting also and yeah. Uh, yeah, which is how yeah. she how she's reacting to everyone. You know, <laughs> yeah, kind of looking at her. at her. Um, so, I, so while I get why I get what they were going for in that moment, but that was I think a little more of a can't have your right. cake and eat it too. Right. As far as um, especially because I think that what made what made that moment in the closing number work for me is that that was a moment that acknowledged like the impact that these viewpoints mm-hmm. and this kind of propaganda actually has on real on, people on real people yeah. um so i i think that that is missing from most of the film because right. all of the characters are white mm-hmm. and um and it, and and again that's because the film the film within the film, the tell your children film is specifically designed to shock and right. scare and terrify white parents. Right. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's where my thoughts start for it. Um, what, <laughs> uh, and what were your thoughts on the, on the, well, there were times also, I feel like that, the, the, the one that you mentioned is of course, uh, the, a prominent example because it's like, what, what, what is the joke that you're trying to tell there? It's not that, it became less about oh white people are afraid of asian americans and more about oh remember like you we there's that there's this stereotype that asian americans eat dogs so we're going to throw in a joke about they're going to eat the baby yeah you know that's yeah, kind of like what that, it, like, like that felt nasty that's like how that it just, rang to me yeah yeah um, like the, yeah that's just like yeah i think that played it up a little bit like that was clear that they were yeah, that 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 felt a little more like shock humor right. for its own sake, and and then the the many instances of domestic violence. I feel like, although again, it it kind of fits the characters, but at some point, like you said, it is kind of shocking to have like May walk in with just like a fucking black eye, and yeah, you know, just like throw throw the issue of domestic violence so cavalierly in her faces it's like yeah you know once or twice did the guy slaps her fine like we established but i mean at what point is it just oh my god this poor battered woman and we're supposed to laugh at, at it yeah kind of thing what's well, a thing yeah and, and and like you know look i'll i'll freely admit that like the first the first slap that he threw her like got a laugh out of me right um but the more they kind of hammered it home Jesus, no pun intended. Right. Um, <laughs> fucking Christ. Um, uh, I'm going to hell for that. Um, the more they battered at home. <laughs> Why do you have to go and taunt me like that? <laughs> Jesus, Orlando. <laughs> oh, my God. See, that's that's satire. That's <laughs> problematic. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, yeah. I felt like the more that kind of came back to that. Um, so at, at some well, point you well, feel well, it I became think, okay, gratuitous. So, well, yeah, at some point you feel it became gratuitous. Maybe. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's the the point where you lose us is when you lose um, when you lose you know 
the core conceit of what it is that you're trying to satirize mm-hmm. in the first place, right? right. Um, that it has to be about that this movie has this absurd notion of what it means to be a good person right. and to be a good American. Um, and that this this image of the American ideal, you know, it excludes, you know, anything having to do with not whiteness right. and uh and and alternate viewpoints and mm-hmm. and and all of that. So um, uh, I think that um, you know, so so I think that like the you know having all that domestic violence in there. On the one hand, it's like yes, you're trying to play up the the way the film is trying to spin what this drug does to people, uh, but obviously taking it to such extreme uh, levels. Um, but uh, but yeah, then then when we go to like the the joke about uh, you know about you know that that very ugly chinese stereotype about you know the the meat that goes into their food um that that is you know it's it's pretty far removed from you know it's it's pretty far removed from like selling us on this 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 world that they're trying to create mm-hmm. that's specifically about terrifying the parents of these you know hapless white kids. And in a lot of ways, this movie, uh, to me, rings as a product of its time, uh, the early 2000s. That whole decade, basically the entire Bush years, I I feel like was a really weird time for comedy because on the one hand, it was trying to push the limits a lot and it was trying to satirize and call attention to a lot of these things. But on the other hand, it was still retaining a lot of the the way humor was used in like those raunchy comedies of the 80s and 90s which is more for like shock value and it had this uneasy mix of the two there's a lot of comedy from the era that that i feel like it doesn't really appeal to me today because of that uneasy mix. It's very yeah. much a product of its time. Um, yeah, that's the thing. It's kind of weird to think about 2005 as like this this whole other time. But like, yeah, it was yeah. during the yeah, it was during the Bush years. Right. So. The Bush years was real, really, really weird time for comedy. Yeah. I feel like uh, I mean, like even like yeah. think of a, well, a think of a show like the the Chappelle Show which is from that time and how it was revolutionary and it pushed so many buttons and it was, you know, satirical, but there even came a point where Dave Chappelle, like he walked away from this show because he realized that the show was becoming the very thing that he was intending to speak out against. Uh, People were laughing. They weren't laughing because they were in on the joke. They were laughing at the stereotype itself and not at the subversion of the stereotype, not yeah. of the calling out of the stereotype. Yeah. And I feel like that's really the trick, you know, with satire and, and the successful satire that stands the test of time, like movies such as um, uh, Dr. Strangelove, Duck Soup. You know, these movies ha- say things that many years ago and they, they still ring very much true today is because they are satirizing society as a whole, not picking apart things from the zeitgeist of the moment to really just like shock you or, or, or just, you know, score a cheap laugh. Yeah. And, and, and a a lot of the humor in this movie is, I think like a a product of its time of the 2005s, because when they talk about, you know, the attitude against 
like the political machine and all that was it definitely like yeah i mean we're kind of feeling that a little bit now again but it's yeah, definitely but, like but, a reaction well, to the bush years well I yeah and, and and you know the bush years were you know a very specific time i mean you know that's like you know, post nine eleven, right. when America kind and everyone of was like really on. paranoid and yeah, fearful, yeah. and yeah, there was yeah, the country it had had kind of descended into this mm-hmm. kind of collective madness, and there was a lot of propaganda and, running around. You um, know? Yeah, and 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 especially like as the wars uh, in Afghanistan and Iraq dragged on, um, you know, the there, you know, they, yeah, the the yeah. It, it, it became clearer and clearer that they had to find justification mm-hmm. for it. And uh, so, uh, so yeah, I think that that, th- yeah, I think, I think, yeah, the reminder that this film is a product of that era definitely kind of makes it a lot clearer. Right. Cause I don't what think it's it, context. Right. Is. Cause I don't think any of it is malicious. I don't think that the, the, the makers behind it are like saying, Oh shit. Like, like this, we want you to laugh at this because this is what we believe. Like you said, you know, this is not the product of what their own beliefs is. I just think it's a product of like that's the, the just yeah. the way the humor works in yeah. 2005. Uh, another, yeah. I mean, we were talking about you know the only black family that we see or are that family at the end. There's not really yeah. a lot of people of color in this movie. Yeah, well, and 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 that's and that's kind of where where my yeah where where more of my unease comes in mm-hmm. is that like. You know, there there are no characters of color who have any agency and, and, in the story and, at right. all. Right, and like, yet, like, the way that it, it's coded sometimes, it, it, to me, like, gave me pause. Like, for example, in the Brownie song, the Brownie is coded as an African-American woman. Yeah. Which is, like, really that was, bizarre. Yeah, that that number, yeah, kind of, yeah, that, that number kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Right. Um I mean, the the trippiness in the animation was cool. And I, again, again, going back to this is clearly a movie marketed towards stoners. If we were high watching that movie, yeah. that sequence would have killed probably. Yeah. But when you watch it sober, you're like, wait, why is why is the brownie a voluptuous black woman? Yeah. And why is he over sexualizing her? Yeah. You know, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that became, yeah, that became a little. So that to me is pretty problematic. Yeah, um, yeah very es- much. especially because again, we don't have any prominent people of color in the movie. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. Um, and I kept coming back to this this kind of question throughout the film because you know, as as we mentioned before, like the original Reefer Madness is such a ridiculous film. Right. It's already and, ridiculous. And and so then to sort of to try to then take that film that is such a ridiculous product mm-hmm. of this very damaging propaganda machine and um to then try to like make a story out of it that, you know, delivers a satire, um, that that calls out these, you know, huge problems with this propaganda machine. Right. Um but, you know, still traffics in, you know, you know, and and maybe in a way it, it almost kind of is is substituting out like, you know, the more archaic, you know, stereotypes for, mm-hmm. you know For new ones. For new ones. Fresh ones in a way. <laughs> yeah. By by do by having that sequence mm-hmm. where you have a brownie that is, as you mentioned, coded black. Right. And, yeah, it's yeah, just it's, it's interesting. Again, I, th- I I faulted more like product of its time because I think obviously if if we were ma- remaking this movie today, 
someone would point out that, hey, we probably shouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would hope. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of crazy shit still gets made today, so I don't know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so um, let's wrap up our discussion. We've actually had a really, really good discussion about this movie, I think. It, yeah. It's very rich in... in, in uh, the quality of conversation that arises from it, which is good. That's exactly what we want. So what are our final thoughts about Reefer Madness, the movie musical? Did you think that it was a bad movie? So-so movie? Good movie? Great movie? What do you think, Ned? Uh, I'm gonna say, like, uh, I'm putting it, like, kind of, like, in the so-so, but, like, okay. but, but like with a decent qualifier. Okay. Like, I think, um, you know, I, I applaud the intention mm-hmm. Uh, behind the filmmakers. Um, I was impressed with where it ended up. I think that, um, again, maybe a big part of it's just how to get it through to my thick skull that, like, it wasn't until that final number that I was kind of like, oh, okay, yes, I get the point of this movie. Um, But uh, maybe to kind of... you know, and and like in retrospect, it's like now I think about where it ended up. It's like, yeah, I, I could see that how they were setting that up, but maybe mm-hmm. finding more ways to kind of thread that through right. throughout. Like, you know, finding ways to make the Jesus number mm-hmm. more about, you know, more about, you know, this 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 adoption of a of a campaign based on fear. Right. Like how how does how does well, how does religion play into that? Yeah. How yeah. How does religion because, play into that campaign? Because that was sort of like in the in the um, auxiliary. It wasn't really touched, really. Yeah. Like it's like okay, you know, if you're a good Christian, obviously you don't do drugs. But it was. But the movie never touched upon how religious fervor is one of the drivers for a lot of this propaganda. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um. So yeah, I think yeah, finding more ways to to kind of thread that that message about um about about the damage it does and then also you know being real about what the actual human cost is yeah. and 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 beyond just like a, a throwaway shot in in, right. the, in the final scene right um so yeah i think it had potential um and it certainly had some good jokes um great choreography right. and and very well realized and and a terrific cast that mm-hmm. just you know performed the hell out of it right um, but uh, you know, yeah, can you know, can can always do better. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. That's true. How it's, about really, you? it's really hard to pull off a musical period, like I said again. Yeah. Um, this uh, musically, it's top notch. Like the numbers are great. It's strong. The lyrics, everything is working really well. As a movie itself, I do feel that the older I get, the less I like this movie. I when I watched it in college, again, that was in the early. 2000s. It was around this time. I watched it as soon as it came out, and we were all laughing our asses off. Product of the time, you know? Like, you grow older, you grow a little wiser, you realize things aren't as great as they used to be, you know? Um, I I would go a little bit beyond where you put it. I would say that it's good veering on so-so. It's on the Mm -hmm. low end of good. Fair, fair. Because I do, I do think that it's still largely successful, even though it's not completely successful. Yeah. Um, I will say that the movie as a whole exists in the good verging on so-so, but I'm going to say that if you take out the Listen to Jesus Jimmy number and just watch that on its own, that is an excellent uh, number. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that, that number definitely, uh, yeah, it has a lot going on that is great. Um, as uh, somebody who, uh, you know, 
grew up exposed to like three or four different denominations mm-hmm. of Christianity. I always appreciate good usage good of, of, of Christian music. Um, so, uh, and it's, so that's the number that gets stuck in my head. Like uh, I watched this in preparation for this, and all and all day leading up to this, I kept singing in my head, "Listen to Jesus, Jimmy." It's just that's the number that sticks with me in, from from this movie. Absolutely. So that to me, it's it, is that qualifies as a great number. Uh, but yeah, the movie itself isn't isn't isn't, isn't great. Yeah, but but it's good. But it's fun but movie. It's a fun yeah. movie to watch. <laughs> All right, so that brings us to the end of today's episode. We have just discussed Reefer Madness, the 2005 movie musical. Um, thank you for watching this movie and discussing it with me, Ned. Thank you for having me, Orlando. I hope that you join us next time, or join me next time, and we hope that you out there join us next time, uh, where we will pick another movie with a lot of schlock value and uh, pick it apart and talk about all the goodies that it has. So until then, we hope that you go forth and light up those bowls and watch some movies. I hope we're gonna have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring me the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. Just sex. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex. I hope we're gonna have some gratuitous sex and violence. Just sex. You guys always bring very best violence. Just. I hope we're gonna have some gratuitous sex and violence. Just. You guys always bring the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion.